Hi there, and welcome along to episode 167 of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers show made by fans for fans, where all of our content is absolutely free. And if you enjoy the podcast that we have here at Jersnet, then why not head over to our website at www.jersnet.co.uk. You can find a whole host of really great content there as well, including a very friendly discussion forum, plenty of articles, uh, history archive, match reviews, previews, loads of great stuff. So please do head over to jersnet.co.uk and check that out. Uh, it's just gone 9.30pm on Sunday, the 30th of January. Uh, it's been a long month. It's been a, a difficult month, maybe if you're a, a Rangers fan with the winter break and then results over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I think we're hopeful that we can take over into February with a wee bit more optimism. But we're here to look back uh, at yesterday's very, very disappointing result uh, up at Dingwall uh, and also have a wee look at the state of the squad as the transfer window comes to a close in around about 24 hours' time. Uh, if you are new to the show, then please do um, let us know your thoughts, let us know your comments, your questions. Give us a like and a subscribe if you would. The podcast goes out live every Sunday evening uh, at 9.30pm. That's on the Jersnet YouTube channel. But it's also available for download on a Monday morning. And that's wherever you get your podcasts from, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and also on Spotify. Joining me tonight to uh, try and look over the, the remains of what happened up in the Highlands yesterday. First of all, uh, it's the ever articulate and I must say always fairly positive John McCallum. John, are you here to try and lift some spirits this evening? That's right. It's going to be like it's going to be like the back garden and Downing Street through lockdown here tonight, mate. Excellent. Um, I, I've had so much, so much news about Boris Johnson throwing parties. I think Boris Johnson in 2020 went to more parties than I was invited to in my entire life. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I would suspect so. I think um, one for the oldies. I think he probably went to Boris Johnson went to more parties than Boris Johnson. And, uh, <laughs> Showing my age there. Yeah, indeed. You are indeed. Do you know who Morris Johnson was? Let me tell you at the end. I've, I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Um, I, I think the, the other guest that we have tonight is probably more along my wavelength in terms of how we're feeling this weekend. Dougie, how are you coping after yesterday's result? Still raging, Ross. Um, weekend ruined by half two on a Saturday. Um, my mood's no better today. Um, I'm kind of hoping today's podcast is a little bit of a therapy session for all of us um the three of us and everyone listening absolutely it, it often works out that way and I, you see i wouldn't say it was weekend ruined by half two by half two it was it's a crap weekend but it was quarter to five that it became weekend ruined and you see their result which is just it was a, an air of inevitability i think about yesterday from the you know waking up yesterday morning looking at reports of the weather and the game's going to get called off and all the Highland League games are postponed and Aberdeen got postponed and, and, and whatnot through to uh, we've thrown that game there through to oh aye and they've won their game as well um, a tough weekend like I say with an air of inevitability but we'll have a look back and see what we can make of it and, and, and John we were just having a wee chat off air there um, and it was a, a, undoubtedly a crap result but it was three unforced errors uh, three uncharacteristic errors Rangers, certainly the, the start of the second half, came out um, very determined and, and very positive to, to go and win that game. And um, do you sort of take some some comfort from the fact that we've scored three goals, difficult conditions to play football in, and it's not that we were outfought or outplayed, it was the fact that it, there were a number of individuals who messed up personally, and, and that's what's caused us to, to drop points? Yeah, I, I mean... You're both right. Yesterday was was a sickener in many ways. 
you know, losing a goal in the 99th minute or whatever it was is always a sickener. You know, if it had been three each from 55 minutes in, we would just be down. But when you when the game's won and you throw it away like that, it just adds to the annoyance. Um, and I think that adds to the, the feeling of despair that comes with it. But I haven't had 24 hours of kicking the cat and kind of getting out of your system. I, that's my feeling is that, you know, it was three unforced errors. You know, we, 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 all goals, all goals were because we made mistakes. Uncharacteristic mistakes. You know, I mean, when was the last time we lost three goals? Um, you know, we were playing in the middle of a hurricane. I don't think you can blame the weather for, um, well, at least for two of the goals. I think the weather really had some bearing on the second goal. But um, it's the same for both teams, so you can't use that as an excuse. But uncharacteristic errors, um, you know, if this had been something that had been happening over the last half dozen games, then I think we might be looking at it saying, this is a worry. But it, it hasn't been. You know, the defence has been good over the last half dozen games. Um, uh, my feeling is we just got all of our mistakes out in one game. Um, and that might be a good thing. You know, I, I'm looking for a positive here. Um, that, that might be a good thing here that we just got them out. Better than that game than in the next game is um, is the view I'm taking on that. Um, I, I, I would be more, I think I'd have more despair just now if, you know, somehow or other Ross County had been cutting us open. Um, you know, Ross County had been finding gaps in behind. Well, you know, the first goal was was it was a freak goal. You know, that's not. You know, any professional goalkeeper, any amateur goalkeeper would be embarrassed about that goal. Just one of these things. Um, you know, just one of these things. Second goal, I, I think the wind played a part in that. Um, I, I think the wind played a part in, in Goldson's headed clearance to start with not getting very far I think it played a part in Barisic then getting involved in it and, and him not managing to get it far um, and then I don't know either Bassey lost the flight of it I, I don't know if he just misjudged it. I don't know what happened there you know boy stuck it away well to be fair um, but you know we, we, I never felt at any point Ross County were, we, we weren't in danger from Ross County we were in danger from ourselves um, because it doesn't make the result any better um, I think it does mean we maybe just need to just take a moment and assess, okay, what actually happened there. Um, there's been games, you know, there's been games in the past where, you know, teams have actually played quite well against Rangers and, and, and created chances. And, and that wasn't the case yesterday. You know, t- chances weren't being created. We were just gifting them to them. Um, and so um, I'm not in the depths of despair. Um, I'm not... Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not particularly down about it now. Um, it was annoying. It's. Um, it's. You know, created a bit of pressure that we probably didn't need. Um, this was all self-inflicted. But I. I think it was just one of these odd games, um, and I'm hoping that's it out of our system now, Ross. No, I, I. I absolutely hear what you're saying and, and take those points, Dougie. I don't know what, what you think. Um, I think I. I I accept that there were three unforced errors, more than three unforced errors that, that, that led to three goals. Um, but Dougie, from, from my perspective, it's the damage that this has done in, in the title race, a pivotal point in the season, given the shenanigans that have gone on with the moving of the winter break, given the form that Celtic are in. Um, that puts a, a very, very difficult slant on things for me. How, how do you see it? Um, I wish I had John's positivity. <laughs> I really do. Um John, John just said it was an amateur goalkeeping. It was an amateur performance, and in truth, I thought it was pretty embarrassing overall. I, I imagine we would have had many new viewers watching the game yesterday, 
Um, supporters of Man United, players from Man United, Marcus Rashford tweeted during the game. I, I suspect we'd have had many new viewers watching the game, watching Ahmed Diallo. And Scotland's got, Scottish football's got a reputation as being a pub league. Um, I reckon that would have done us no favours. Um, but from a, a damage to the league, um, we just handed Celtic a massive advantage. You know, we're playing them on Wednesday, um, two points in it now. They have the opportunity to go top um, on their turf. Um, Wednesday becomes must not lose. That's how important it is. Um, they're on a good run of form post post winter break. We're on a we're on a very poor form. Um, the break came at the wrong time. I don't want to get into old ground of the break being moved, but I, I feel that the break um, has came at the wrong time for us. We have reacted historically poor after the break. You know, looking at John's positive outlook, I'm hoping that this is our blip in the season as we return from the break. And what better opportunity do we have than Wednesday to make amends to the supporters for what was, in my opinion, a very embarrassing performance. But it's pivotal in, the, in, in this season's league title. Ross, I also think it's pivotal in next. And the reason why I think it's pivotal in next is the winner of the Premiership this season gains entry into the Champions League and gains the riches from the Champions League and that's significant funds. It's around £30 million just for qualification. If Celtic get that money, they have the ability to strengthen the squad even further. They also have the ability to not have to sell anyone. That means that they're at an advantage next season already. Um, we need to win that league. You know, I know we're going to go on to talk about Diallo and some of the signings and some of the, the rumours that have been named. We would have been signing somebody permanent in the summer of a much higher calibre if we qualified for the Champions League. If we do not win the league this season, we will sell. There's obviously talk about Conor Goldson um, and his contract situation. If we qualify for the Champions League, the likelihood is that we'll have the funds to be able to, to sign him for another at least 12 months. Um, therefore, Wednesday is not just big for this season, it's big for the season after. Um, and I just feel that small margins win leagues and where we are conceding last-minute goals, Celtic seem to be scoring them at the moment. And I just have the absolute fear that that's going to be crucial come the end of the season. It's, it certainly feels that way. It's, that it's, um, it's a habit of conceding goals and has the kind of habit of scoring. I don't know, it feels like that's been the case my whole life, is that Celtic have a habit of scoring important last-minute goals. Um, John, we've spoken about mistakes um, and it's very, very uncharacteristic for two of those mistakes to come from Alan McGregor. Um, I'm of an age where Alan McGregor is probably an, an icon of Rangers. Um, the, the, the number of years of service that he's given us, the, the form that he's displayed since he returned to the club for the second spell, particularly, I think, in, in some European performances. Um, and yet, uh, I think yesterday was probably his, his poorest game in a Rangers shirt, certainly. I can remember... I think I'm right in saying that he turns 40 this week. Um, and it's where do, where do Rangers go, John, from here in, in, in the goalkeeping position? We, we can't keep the guy on forever. Um, yesterday aside, in my opinion, he's still the best goalkeeper in, in Scotland. Um, we'll, we'll talk about John McLaughlin a little bit later on in the show, but are, are you minded to start thinking about the long-term future of the goalkeeping position and whether Alan McGregor has the right to stay there for, for seasons to come? No, you, you, can't, you can't need it. You know, you need to hold your nerve. It was one game. We drew. 
We didn't lose the game. We drew it. Um, so, you know, you made two mistakes. Goalkeepers make mistakes. Um, and they're very visible when a goalkeeper makes a mistake. If, um, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, then it often leads to a goal. You know, Glenn Kamara made a pretty awful mistake in the 96th minute of the game yesterday, but we're not really talking about that. You know, but, you know, Kamara made it. Again, he made a mistake that uh, is, is out of character. Um, you know, we're not talking about dropping him for for the game against Celtic. Uh, no, Alan McGregor remains. Alan McGregor didn't, you know, hasn't. The fact he's coming forty is a number, and you have to kind of look past that and look at his form. Uh, and his form has been pretty good up until yesterday. You know, I think he's still. I think there is a reason why he is the number one. Um, and so I think his form has been pretty good. And I would be surprised if he gets dropped for the game at, at uh, Parkhead. And I would, unless there's something going on behind the scenes, you know, unless he's, you know, unless he's, there's issues in training or something, I would be amazed if he is dropped before that game. If he was dropped and McLaughlin came in, I'd actually be fairly comfortable because I think McLaughlin is probably the second best goalkeeper in, in Scottish football just now. But um, no, hold your nerve. I, I, this is it's a blip. You know, the league, the league runs until the end of the league. It's not, it's not decided in January. Um, and, you know, McGregor made two mistakes. Nobody will be hurting more about those mistakes than him. You know, nobody will be deter- more determined to prove people like us that are going to write him off because, you know, because he's nearly 40. And he knows that. I mean, he's on a year's contract. He's never going to get offered any more than a year's contract. Um, and he knows that. And he knows that he needs to perform if he wants to keep if he wants to keep playing he just needs to perform every week and he has been doing that you know his, his form's been good up until um up until yesterday his form's been good um I, I don't think one game will make a difference to his long-term future um i think two or three games might you know i mean if he makes a habit of of those kind of mistakes then and he knows that better than anybody then you know there are at least one goalkeeper, arguably two goalkeepers in the wings who would be able to come, you know, step in and, and, and take his place. Um, that's probably why his form has been so good. You know, that he does have a very good goalkeeper sitting there waiting for him um, to make a mistake. I, I, I think, no, we wait. Let's see how he gets on. You know, at some point he will choose to retire. I suspect it will be injury that will do that rather than loss of form. Um, I, I think that's what's going to happen. His reflexes look as good as ever. Um, his passion certainly seems to be as good as ever. I, I, you know, he seems as as vocal and as angry with his defence as he ever is. Ross, um, I, I, I think eventually what will event- lead to Alan McGregor's retirement is that he'll pick up an injury that will, you know, force him to be out for a few months, and, and that might just be the, the thing that loses him his place, and then perhaps he's he's had enough. Um, but I think that place is his, and, and I think it would send out the wrong message if, if we suddenly dropped our goalie for this game. Yeah, I have to say I, I completely agree with that. I think um, it was it was completely out of character, and he, as you say, just echo that sentiment. No one will be hurting more than him. Um, and, and I don't know the guy, but from from what you can see, I, he's not one who seems to take. Uh, life particularly lightly, given the amount that he berates his defence, and so I can imagine that this kind of thing will really be be weighing on him and, and, and hurting him. So um, I, I fully agree. I don't see anyone else coming in taking that number one spot for for, for Wednesday at all. Um, Dougie, the other before we move on from sort of individuals, I, I, I want to talk about Calvin Bassey. I've I've praised Calvin Bassey 
endlessly on this podcast this season. Um, up until the winter break, I, I actually think he was in the running potentially for, for player of the season. Um, and given the role that he'd be, he was brought in as a left-back, a cover for a left-back and how play and start and centre-half for a dozen games in a row because of injury and, and acquitted himself incredibly well in, in most occasions. Um, he's filled in very nicely, but he was directly at fault for that second goal yesterday as he just completely, I didn't even miss kick it, he missed it. Um, uh, whether having an impact or not. Given that he's young, he's still learning, it's not his primary position. Um, is it time for us to protect Calvin Bassey and, and take him out of the team? Um, you've actually said a lot of things that I was thinking, Ross. Calvin Bassey came in and he's done an excellent job. Um, I think his versatility is key to the team. You know, he's, he's there as cover for left-back. Um, I think he played a couple of games at left-back when Bonham was unavailable at the beginning of the season. He's probably initially thought of as fifth-choice centre-back. Um, he jumped up ahead of Simpson, um, probably just before the winter break, um, to fourth-choice. But that speaks volumes that um, he's a fourth-choice central defender. There's two key players ahead of him that have been missing, and that's two internationalist Philip Hander and Leon Balligan and one of the things that you just said there is that Calvin Bassey is young I think what Calvin Bassey I think what Calvin Bassey's given us just now is probably typical of a young player um, fairly inconsistent can be a little bit erratic um, his passing has been fairly sloppy since, interna- since the winter break and his positioning is always a little bit questionable and I think that's largely down to the fact that he is predominantly a left back He's filling in at centre-back. Um, in terms of him coming out of the team, I think that entirely depends on the fitness of the two that I've mentioned, Balligan and Hollander. Um, they're two players that have been out for a while. Both, both players have got the experience to be able to be thrown into the old firm without any games in the build-up, but it does concern me a little bit bringing someone into the team that hasn't played a lot of football recently. Um, you've got to trust you. Um, you've got to trust the manager. He's seen them in, in training every day. He'll know whether Balogun and, and Hollander are, are fit and, and capable of playing the game. My opinion is if they can give you 60-70% fitness, um, I would play them personally on Wednesday. I think we just need that experience um, coming in. And I don't think that's a criticism of, of Bassey. I think, I think it should go down that Bassey done very well when he came in. But I do think that we need to bring one of the experienced guys in. Um, and w- one last comment from me. We're talking about moving Bassey out and who to bring in. There's been a lot of criticism of Goldson. Um, and one of the previous podcasts, I was very critical of Goldson. Um, for me, Goldson's been excellent of late. There's also talk about whether he's going to um, go in January, renew or, or leave in the summer. Um, one thing about Goldson is Goldson's still given 100% commitment to the club. You see it in his celebrations, kissing the badge. Um, it goes unnoticed sometimes. The players that that are the Mister Reliable, you know, there's guys like Golden and Tav that that just play every ninety minutes of every game. Touchwood. I hope they don't get injured now after me completely jinxing that. But um, it goes unnoticed that Golden's just one of these guys that plays every single game. And we're talking about who's going to partner Golden. I think a few fans need to put some respect on Golden's name. You know, this is a guy that that has played almost every European game since he came here, that's played the most minutes in the team um, as an outfield player. Um, I think we need to respect Conor Goldson and hopefully, you know, I mentioned Champions League football earlier earlier on, hopefully if we do win the league, one thing that comes out of it is that we are able to tie Conor Goldson down a new contract 
and then all the names that are being linked are potential partners um, for Goldson if, if Balogun does move on and Halander, who's nearing the end of his contract as well, if they decide to move on. But certainly short-term and Wednesday, Goldson's a first pick in the team sheet. It's then a big decision who partners him. I think it's I think it's a good point because I I was like you at the start of this season just hugely critical of Goldson um, questioning his performances and then driving that through to question his commitment um, and I think it's been fairly well documented his reasons for not signing a new contract is that there has there's been another player brought in who's getting four to five minutes a game off the bench who's who's paid uh, a significant amount more. Um, uh, we're Rangers fans, right? And we'd all probably we'd play for that club for free. Um, but I can understand someone who's who's looking for the, the future of his family and a short career and a short earning window, etc. All of that stuff. Um, I think he does come in now for some for some praise the way he's turned things around. Probably since since the, uh, Stephen Gerrard left and he's, he's got a new manager to impress. And you don't know what what conversations have gone on in the background there. But I think you're right. I think had we succeeded in getting Champions League group stage football this year we wouldn't be talking about this he'd have had a new contract in front of him I'd never really considered would it would things change if we were to win the league this year and very possibly they would because we can see that Goldson's not signed the pre-contract with anyone else um, and that might be because no one wants him but it also might be because he's keeping those options open including the option of staying at Rangers right until the end of the season so yeah, it's, a, it's a, a very very interesting situation but I, I agree with you um, Goldson and one other, and if if Hollander's fit enough to give us a, a three quarters performance, or if Balogun can come in and do a job, Balogun did a phenomenal job in the first Old Firm of this season. Um, I, I remember that vividly, possibly his best game for us. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it, it, it probably is time to protect the club and protect the player for for, for Bassi to have a little break. But neither of them are fit, though, are they? I mean, neither of them were on the bench yesterday. So your choice just now is Goldston yeah. and Bassi, or Goldston and Leon King. Mm. If, or, or Jack Simpson who, who Jack Simpson you get more chance of getting <laughs> than Jack Simpson has. I know, I know. It's, it's a worry though because there was there was noise about both of them being close and yeah both of them can't make the bench the uh, only one I playing. think the only thing the only one who might play is Suter ah yeah that's, that's a, that's a very very good point the next 24 hours with him you just might suddenly find he makes his debut at, at um, the debut for us there but um, yeah, it's the only thing, the only potential change I could see. The other two are definitely not fit enough. If Alvin was fit enough, he would have been on the bench yesterday. I'd be amazed if they threw him into um, threw him into that game. Do you think, John, that the the performance of the result yesterday um, has sharpened the need for Suter to be brought in tomorrow? Do you think that that has maybe changed the conversation amongst the management team and the board? No, I don't think so. I think they want Suter in. I mean, I say this as somebody with literally no insight or private knowledge. No, you know, This is just stuff I'm making up. I think they want Suter in just now. I think they would like him to come in just now. I, you know, there's a bit of gamesmanship going on with Hearts. Um, Hearts, you know, I think, I suspect Hearts would like to get something for him. Um, and I'm sure if a deal can be done in the next 24 hours or so, it will be. Um, but, you know, I, I suspect Hearts want to you know, Hearts won't let them go and let, you know, they don't want their own fans angry at them for him moving on um, for nothing. So there's a deal to be done there. I think they've wanted it. You know, we have got, you know, defences are currently our area, I think, where, where, you know, we do need to strengthen. You know, I'm more worried about right back, to be honest with you. I mean, Tav is, uh, 
you know, Tav's phenomenal in terms of his fitness. But, you know, if he gets injured, well, what do we do then? Um, you know, there is no, you know, the, we're into the B team for a, for a right back. Uh, that might not be a bad thing. You know, I mean, Lowry came in and, and certainly didn't look at a place. Um, but, you know, we do need defensive cover. So Suter coming in, um, for me, I think would make a lot of sense. Uh, I think if that's a deal that can be done, I would do it. Ross, I've kind of paused talk of transfers um, until later. Obviously, we're linked with a right back from Poland t- tonight. Um, yeah, yeah. The only comment I'd make on John Suter is, is um, twofold. So one, Craig Halkett get injured for Hearts. I think that could be massively decisive in whether Hearts decide to let John Suter go early. Um, and two, um, if it's a big if, if a team bids um, money for Jack Simpson, um, I've seen the QPR talk was rubbish by Jordan Campbell from The Athletic tonight, um, but there's talk of um, other teams in the Championship looking at him. If we can get a couple of hundred thousand pounds for Jack Simpson, I'd hope that we'd be able to stump up the extra couple of hundred thousand to bring John Suter in early. Yeah, I, I think that will that'll absolutely play a role. Um, I, I, I suspect that the board will have gone... John, you're right, there have been conversations with Hearts. Hearts will have a number, Rangers will have offered a number. Um, and again, I have no idea how these things work, but I think that the boards probably have a number that they'd be willing to get to, and that that number probably went up a wee bit after yesterday. Um, unfortunately, I, I must admit, I don't know about how it could be an injured, but I suspect that Hearts' number went up a wee bit as well. Um, <laughs> it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've had success with Glenn Kamara coming in when we paid, paid to get him in early. Um, did we have success with Scott Wright coming in? Because there's, there's that debate about do you bring them in for the, the, the last six months of this campaign to bed in? Um, it certainly seemed to work with Glenn Kamara. Uh, compare that to Jordan Jones, who we didn't get. I don't think that's the, the only reason that Jordan Jones wasn't a successful signing for Rangers. But um, I think, yeah, given given the injuries that we injury problems that we've had, given that we're playing a, a fifth choice centre half, who's really a second choice left back. Um, I, I think the board would really need to go all out actually now to, to, to bring in John Suter. Um, John, we'll, we'll, we'll split, uh, switch slightly to, to go a wee bit more positive. Um, Ahmed Diallo seemed to come in fairly under the radar. It was one of those signings that we only knew it was going to happen a couple of hours before it did happen, um, which uh, as a fan, I really enjoy when there's it's quiet and then there's suddenly a, a huge amount of excitement. Um, and he gets a goal on his, his debut after only four minutes. There's clearly a huge amount of excitement around this guy brought in to, to Man United for stupid money. Um, a huge amount of potential. What did you make of his first appearance for Rangers? Yeah, it was um, it was probably the one high point from the game yesterday. Um, I, I, I have to say, I had never heard of the lad um, before he was linked with us and then signed. I mean, in fact, in fact he had signed for us before I had ever heard from him. Um, which says a lot more about my clearly my knowledge of English football than um, than anything else. I, I, I was astonished when I heard what Man United pay for this kid, um, and somehow I still never heard of him. Um, it just goes to show you how much money is in English football, where they're, they're buying guys you've never heard of and sticking them in their reserves. Um, I was a little skeptical about it. I, you know, I can remember the Ojos and the players like that that have come in and you know. Not really been, and there have been massive successes. Um, I was a little sceptical, um, and you know, he's only had one game, but he, the boy can clearly play. 
Um, you know, he, he he clearly has something about him. He's he's the kind of player that I think Van Bronckhorst has been looking for. Um, I won't claim to to, to be a, a tactical genius, but watching Rangers since Van Bronckhorst come in, you know, the fullbacks are are are, are not attacking as much. Under Gerard, the fullbacks were almost um, at times our, our entire um, attack came from our fullbacks. Um, under Van Bronckhorst, the fullbacks aren't attacking as much, and he is looking for for width then further up the pitch. Um, and Kent and Wright are probably our only two natural wide players. Um, and um, I think the jury's out on whether Wright's good enough to do that full time. Um, Kent is, but the jury's out on Wright. So he's clearly been looking for a wide player. And and, um, and Diallo, is that how I say his name? Diallo. Um, and Diallo, he's, uh, he's found one. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. Um, you know, he was in the right place for the goal, which is what you're looking for. You know, the ball's coming in from the left. You want the guy on the right to be appearing at the back post. So, uh, you know, big tick there. Um, you know, two or three times, um, I think the second goal was from his shot, wasn't it? He cut inside and, and hit the shot. Um, so, you know, he was involved in um, in a lot of our, our good stuff yesterday. As debut's goal, it was pretty good um, and difficult. I mean, I, I did laugh. I think it was Ian, you know, Ian, that, Ian Duffin that's on the podcast today. It was him that was making the point, you know, welcome, welcome to Scotland. We're taking you to Dingwall in a hurricane for your debut. Um, and there was, <laughs> I did laugh when I read that because that's exactly what it was. Um, and he did well. Uh, uh, under the circumstances, I thought he did well. Concerns, uh, he doesn't have a lot of English um, from what I've, I've um, from what I've heard. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of English. Um, I'm not sure if we've got many French speakers in the dressing room, um, but he doesn't have a lot of English certainly, which might be an issue. Um, you know, didn't stop Morelos. Um, you know, Morelos was much better when he couldn't understand any of us. Um, now that he's picked up English, his form's gone. So um, you know, that, that's a slight concern. But you know, he's been in in the UK now for um, for a while. He's acclimatised. You know that side of things, I think, is okay. Um, I suspect you'll, you know, popped into Manchester fairly regularly. It's not far away. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting signing, um, uh, but a good debut. You know, somebody that um, Scottish defenders are going to have to keep an eye on. It's exciting, I think, as well. And uh, whether it's a, a positive or not, but we do get a lot more interest in the games and uh, and in the performances when. When we make a signing like this, you know, the, the, there will be a, a lot of eyes on, on, on this young lad and seeing how he gets on. And, okay, on a day like yesterday, that's... Doogie, that's Doogie said that. And it wasn't yeah. something I'd actually considered, um, that, that, you know, bringing in somebody from a club like Manchester United um, actually will probably bring interest from their support in how he's getting on. Of course it does. I'm, you know, I find myself looking up the race rover score to see if how Kai Kennedy got on. So, hey. yeah, I guess... I guess um, I guess that goes both ways. So uh, yeah, it was a good point, Dougie made actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Dougie, another positive from yesterday. Not a new signing, but a, a very, very warm welcome back to Joe Aribo. Um, has the assist for for Diallo's goal after after four minutes. Um, how pleased are you, are you to to see him back? Obviously, Nigeria didn't go as far as they might have done at Afcon. Um, he maybe didn't have as many suitors' eyes. Uh, watching on and, and it looks like we'll get through the transfer window keeping hold of him but you must be pleased to have him back in the squad Delighted um, Aribo has arguably been our player of the season so far um, and I think he instantly looks our best player um, at Dingwall against Ross County him and Diallo were probably the two best players on the pitch for us 
Um, Aribo's a massive player for us. He does give us that goal threat. You know, you just mentioned there the the goal from Diallo. That was all made from from Aribo, but he does he does give a lot more through the through the game. Um, big fan of Aribo. I honestly couldn't care less that he went out of Afcon early. Um, from a a Nigerian perspective or a, a suitor perspective, um, the less people that know of Joe Aribo for me, the better. Um, there's a lot of contracts on the horizon for expiry in 2023. Uh, Aribo being probably the biggest concern. Um, he's the one that I would love us to extend his contract. I think there's a a huge asset in our hands in Aribo. Um, obviously, Nathan Patterson's just became our, our biggest sale. Um, I fully expect Aribo um, to go on and smash that at some point. Um, our transfer strategy is something I'm going to discuss a wee bit later. His contract situation um, does devalue him, um, but hopefully if he does leave in the summer, it'll be for a decent fee. Um, he's not the only positive of late, though. Um, this is my first podcast in a while, and I, and I have to touch on Alex Lowry, for example. Um, the emergence of Alex Lowry is a huge um, a huge positive for me, but so is the return of players from, from injury. Um, Ryan Jack... Stephen Davis, um, hopefully Balogun and Hollander. They're both back in training, apparently. I know that John said they weren't named in the bench, but apparently they're back in training and they're four key, key players for us. So th- there are positives there to be had. And when you start to add those players back into our squad, all of a sudden our, our squad looks a hell of a lot stronger. Um, the big one for me is um, over in Colombia right now um, or wherever the game is being played. You know, he wasn't even named amongst the squads, Alfredo, um, in a game where they were beat 1-0 against Peru. Their next game, which I think is tomorrow, is against Argentina. If Alfredo Morelos was not involved in any capacity against Peru, the likelihood is he's not going to be involved in any capacity against Argentina. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm praying, literally praying, that someone at Rangers is picking up the phone to Colombia right now and um, and asking and begging if he's going to be involved against Argentina. Um, what a lift it would be if Alfredo Morelos appeared at Glasgow Airport with, with suitcase ahead of Wednesday. Um, because I tell you what, we cannot go with Cedric Kitten as uh, as our number nine at Celtic Park. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to see um, Morelos return early from international duty. Um, we're talking about positives. That's the positive I want. We can always hope. See, I, I was having a, a, a debate with a, a pal of mine about this. Like, do you, does it annoy you, given the context of this week, does it annoy you that Morelos accepted the call-up to go and play for Colombia? Um, I know one of my mates is watching right now. We had the same debate. Um, he gave Kamar Ruff praise because Ruff rejected the call-up from Jamaica. Um, there is a big difference between Kamar Ruff at Jamaica and Alfredo Morelos at um, Colombia. Um, first of all, there's, there's age. Um, Kamar Ruf is getting older. Um, he came out of retirement. Uh, he, sorry, he came came into the international fold with Jamaica um, lately. Um, I'm actually fairly critical of Kamar Ruf's decision to play for Jamaica, and I personally don't agree with it since he's made of glass. Um, but I support his decision for not going along to Jamaica because of his recent injuries. Alfredo's completely different for me. Um, we're talking about a young player who is very passionate. South Americans are very passionate about representing their country. He's also a player that's very keen to promote what he does and what he gives. Um, I understand why a player like Alfredo would want to go across to um, to represent their country, but 
one of the points I see on Twitter was Alfredo Morelos is raging when he gets subbed in the 89th minute of a game. I can only imagine what Alfredo Morelos' face is looking like right now when he wasn't even named amongst the substitutes. I'm just hoping that he's in at that manager's ear. The manager, by the way, was pelted with, with all sorts from the supporters he walked off. Um, so he's, he's not a very popular figure amongst the Colombians. I'm just hoping that Alfredo's in his ear right now asking if he's going to be involved. And there might be a burning desire from Alfredo to come back and play against Celtic. Um, knowing how crucial this game is to ultimately the season. Um, yeah, I, I, I understand why he went, Ross, but I'm not frustrated, but I understand why some supporters would be frustrated at him going, particularly when he's not even named on the bench. See, I, I think I'm on the same page as yourself, Dougie. I think that um, I, I fully understand and accept his, his reasons for wanting to go. Um I do not see any world in which he'll be back in time for Wednesday because even if he's not picked for, I think it, it, yeah, tomorrow or, or maybe it's Tuesday, like sort of late, early, early Tuesday morning, um, even if he's not on the bench for that, the context of the World Cup coming up later this year, he, he will want to be given everything in every training session um, and, and, and staying in the manager's good books. So, and I think for that reason as well, I understand why he would go... Um, it's, it, it hurts for us, I think, to be without that that weapon who has started to understand how to score against Celtic. Um, and I understand why uh, supporters of Rangers are, are frustrated at not having him and he's, he's going to go all that way to, to not play games. But from his perspective, I, I fully understand and accept and, and agree with it personally. And Ross, I slightly disagree with one of the comments, sorry, John, that you made. Alfredo just, just one of them just just one mate just one. Boy, it's usually a whole host more than that <laughs> you have a look at the comments oh really no do, do you know what it is Alfredo Morelos was poor latterly under Gerard. Um you, you made the comment that he's, he's not had a great season Alfredo Morelos has been brilliant under Gio he's reclaimed that hunger he looks a lot leaner fitter he got player of the month for December um I think we're seeing a very different Alfredo Morelos right now, and I think that's possibly the influence of Roy McKay in training right now. Um, one of the things that you said, John, earlier on was around um, you know native speakers. Do we have a French speaker for Amad Diallo? Roy McKay is fluent in Spanish, for example, and I think that's having a massive influence on Alfredo right now. Um, I would love Alfredo Morelos to be in the start of the um, against Celtic, but it's purely wishful thinking. I'm with you, Ross. I, I think it's, it's out of the question. But my my slanderous comment, slightly in tongue in cheek about Itton, is is true. Cedric Itton, so many supporters wanted Itton back from from Germany. Um, a lot of people like him. He's a really nice guy. He comes across as a really nice guy. But I think the harsh reality is Cedric Itton is not good enough for Rangers. Um, Kamar Roof came on um, yesterday, and I think we instantly looked a better team. He hit the post, but he, he just looked sharper. He, even his link up play was better than Itton's. Um, if Morelos is not on the plane, we must start Ruth or Sakala. We must not start Itton, please. I don't want to see him start against Celtic. Yeah, I, I was one of those fans desperate to have him back. Um, because I, 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 it's, it's a frustrating one. Um, and it's, it's, it's the worst cliche, but there is a player there. There is a player there. You could see it in his performance against uh, Poznan last season. Um, there have been flashes where you just go there, there is a player that, that we can use there. And I love, I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, say we've got four um, recognised 
key striking options in Itin, Morelos, Roof, and Sakala. You can see what each four, each of the four does differently and, and the sort of individual nature and, and what they each bring. But Itin's, you're right, Itin's not the one to start a parkhead. Absolutely not. Um, John, it's obviously we're, we're a, a good chunk of games into Geo's tenure now. Um, and we've seen a lot of again, cliched and maybe overly dramatic comments that the honeymoon period is over. Um, still not lost the game, by the way, but the honeymoon period is over. Um, tactically speaking, I think we are seeing a bit of a pattern that Gio would like to sit back and defend a one-goal advantage. Um, and you know, we see that. He often likes to bring on John Lundstrom and, and try and shore things up a little bit. And some of the criticism that I've seen online following yesterday's game is that this is simply too negative. His, his tactical setup is too negative. He tries to see out a narrow victory and it, and it doesn't always work. How do you see that argument? I think you can't help but compare him to Gerard and, and Gerard's teams. And, and that's uh, inevitable. But if you actually look at yesterday's game, I mean, we didn't have chances yesterday to win three games. You know, we and I've got them in front of me. It's only as I know. Okay, so I actually literally reading them. But 25 shots yesterday, 12 shots on target. You know, so that's not negative. You know, I mean, that, you know, that's under no circumstances, 72% possession yesterday, under no circumstances can be described that as, as negative. And yet, I agree with you with what you're saying, that I think there is this feeling that, you know, when we go one up, we sit back. Now, that must be deliberate. That, you know, that must be something that, that we're doing. I don't know if the thinking is that if we sit back and invite a team onto us, it creates more space for the forwards, you know, that we're more likely to get one on the break. Or, or I don't know what, I don't know why we're doing it, but I, I agree with you that that seems to be the feeling. And, and I think we all were, you know, when we saw seven minutes of injury time come up or whatever. And, you know, to be fair, I think, you know, it was justified. It wasn't, it wasn't the ref that was at it. But um, we saw that. I think we were all thinking, oh, God, no. Because we do seem to invite teams onto us. Um, and I, I don't understand it because we should be able to keep that ball off Ross County for seven minutes. Um, you know, the players we've got and the way we know we can play football, you know, we, we should be able to. Um, there was an inevitability of it bloody Lundstrom coming on and you're like oh why are we bringing him <laughs> you know uh, and it's frustrating um, and I think it's backfired now against Aberdeen uh, you know I think we are, are actually the game against Aberdeen I found more depressing than the game yesterday um, because against Aberdeen we were poor you know Aberdeen deserved a point against us whereas yesterday we were just shambolic at times just giving away the daft balls whereas against Aberdeen you know Aberdeen you know Aberdeen looked quite good against us um, in the second half. Um, and so that was probably more of a concern for me. Um, perhaps if we had two natural centre-halves there, um, perhaps if Ryan Jack was back uh, in the team, then they're absorbing that kind of pressure and, and quickly interchanging from defence to attack might actually work quite well. But, but like you, I feel it's not working just now and I certainly wouldn't want to see us um, adopt it in our next game. Um, I, I think that would be inviting. Um, I'd just be inviting pressure and trouble that I don't think we're dealing with particularly well. Um, Gerard's philosophy, I never heard it stated, but watching Rangers in that period always seemed to be that as long as we score more than the opposition. You know, we, we were, 
know, we had some wonderful games under Gerard where we, you know, we we, we did. We went toe to toe, and and you know, we just kept looking for more goals. That's not Van Bronckers. Van Bronckers does seem to be more conservative. Um, he does seem to, to um, as I think we all remember when the chap from Feyenoord, the the, the Feyenoord fan, came on. You know, he he, he likes a nil. Um, and and there's no doubt about that that he would rather then sit tight and, and absorb it and, and and just play out a one 0 win. Um, yeah, I would like to see him change that. I don't think. I think part of the problem, Ross, is I don't think he has the personnel for it. You know, I think the, the squad he's inherited. That's not how they've been playing football for the last eighteen months, two years. Um, and as such, I don't think it comes naturally. And I, I think they want to attack. They want to have the ball. They want to keep the ball. And not give it to the opposition, and, and and it frustrates me just now that at times we do seem to be giving the up possession a bit too easily and inviting attacks on. And I would really, yeah, I would be happy if he stopped doing that. But yeah, I have a feeling we're not going to. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you might well be right. And and it's an interesting point that you made that this is the squad that he's inherited. Um, thankfully, we are now uh, in a transfer window, albeit not for not for very long. And by the time that people come to listen to this, uh, that, that that window might have shut. Um, so it seems a, a, a pertinent point to move on to take a, a little look at the squad and, and some updates from the last couple of days. Um, John, I'll, I'll stick with yourself if, uh, if I may. Uh, an interesting bit of news coming out of the press conferences uh, over the last couple of days is that Scott Arfield will be getting another year, um, or certainly having another year offered to him. Um, a player that came in, was it sort of 20, 2018 time maybe, three, three and a half years ago, uh, was a very, very key player for us probably fell away a little bit over the last year, 18 months. Um, but since uh, the new manager's come in, has has really returned to form, I suppose. Uh, no secret that he's not my favourite player. Uh, <laughs> in that. I was really watching you see all this, thinking, wow, Ross, you are really saying that through gritted teeth tonight. Yeah. yeah. I, look, I, I'm big enough to admit that since the new manager's come in, um, he's in a similar way to Conor Goldson, maybe. It seems to have lit a fire under him. And um, yeah, he's, I, I'm, it's one of those where I'm pleased to see him prove me wrong. I'm very pleased to be proven wrong. I don't think it will last, personally. Um, and to sort of give a wee spoiler, but the question is going to be, do you think that he deserves a new deal? Uh, in my opinion, he does not. Um, but I'm the host and I don't get to give my opinions. I ask the questions. So John, does Scott Arfield deserve another year at Rangers? I mean, if, if only just to wind you up, I think Ross, I think that's probably worth <laughs> it. Tell you what, it does, it does wind me up. It does wind me up because uh, what, what does, what, so what's he bringing that Alex Lowry can't do? So here's, here's what I think, here's what I think Scott Arfield brings that we don't see. I think Scott Arfield is actually viewed and is a very senior guy in that dressing room. I think he is a guy who is vocal, I think he's a guy who has, you know, guy who's played at a fairly high level. You know, he was he's a he was an international. I actually didn't realise he'd retired until um, until yesterday. Um, but you know, who was an international, who's played in the English Premier League. Um, you know, he is a guy who brings experience. He is a guy who brings know-how, um, and I actually think he is quite an important player in in our dressing room. And I think that's something as supporters we often overlook, and we judge players on what they do on the pitch. Um, I think if Arfield can stay fit, then I think he's definitely worth offering a, another contract to because I think he does bring something. You know, Arfield's a midfielder who will score goals. Um, you know, there is that. You know, Arfield brings something to our team. There's that great 
you see it now it's a kind of meme and you see folk using it as a, 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 as a gif there's that great bounce up um, between him and Scott Brown um, and, and, and you know that's one of my because that see that that was a moment where where we said no 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 we are in charge now you know that was, that was like a passing of the baton going on there um, because I don't think we'd have won that 50-50 before Arfield came you know it needed someone like Arfield to come in um, and so I think Arfield brings that. Um, his goal the other night was a thing of genius. I don't care what anyone says, he meant that. Um, and and frankly, we didn't look like we were going to score um, until he came on and did it. Um, I think if he can stay fit, I think he brings quite a bit. Um, I think if, again, reading between the lines, um, if we're looking at, at introducing you know boys like Lowry, um, now, you know, if he looks like he's coming into the first team squad, um, then you need older heads around. You know, you need guys like that to help the younger players come through, to you know, show them the ropes to um, you know, just just you know be a guide for them. If you ever read um or speak to, to Ali McCoist, Ali McCoist will tell you that one of the, the, the biggest influences in his career was a guy called John Brogan, who was a journeyman centre forward at St Johnston. You know, a guy who'd played for half a dozen Scottish teams. Um, you know, never reaching any particular heights, but a guy who had seen it all and done it all and, and was a massive influence on McCoy's when he was coming through. And, you know, every squad needs players like that. They need experienced guys to help the younger guys through. Um, so I think he should be looked at for that. But I think he's, I think he offers enough on the pitch to be offered another year. Um, you know, I think he's a guy who, um, who has still got a job to do for us. I don't think he is a guy who'll start every game. But he's a guy who'll start some games and he's a guy who'll come off the bench for some games. And I think every time he does that, he brings something to the game. I think he is the kind of guy that can change a game. So I'm sorry, Ross, but yeah, I think he should get I think he should get another year. It's fine. We've we've only got sort of eight or nine minutes left. So I haven't got time to go into a really detailed analysis as to why you're incorrect. Um suffice it to say he shouldn't get another no I, I, I don't think I, I'm not sort of saying that he shouldn't I think I'd like it if he had another year and we could just let his contract run down and let him go at the end of 2023 it's the fact that we're sort of giving him another one uh, I think that winds me up I can't quite put my finger on why I'm looking at his career stats here actually and what I do like is that he's been at four clubs in his professional career and he's played more than 100 games at each and every one and that was just, I mean that's real sort of loyalty and longevity at, at each club and he's actually scored more goals for us than he did for for anyone else. And yeah, I, I I can see the any more stats. Do you want to read out there, Ross? <laughs> I can see the impact he's had. I think he's lost a uh, half a yard of pace. I see, I don't think he ever had touch. pace. I don't think I don't think he was a guy who, who had a lot of pace. So you know, I don't think he's that. He's his Arfield. Aside from you know. Ball winning and being physically strong. I always think Arfield's strength was 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 his timing. You know, was 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 arriving at the right time. I don't think he necessarily ever had pace um, to lose necessarily. But anyway, possibly, possibly. Dougie, we'll move on um, because I'm going to get annoyed. John McLaughlin has signed a new contract. I think that was announced uh, earlier on today. Um, a new deal up until the end of twenty uh, season ending 2024. Um, so a couple of years added on. Uh, a, a cap was very much installed as number two, and it's it's a weird position to be the, the second choice goalkeeper at a club, as we know. But um, he's probably a player who could go to a, a high level of club, probably most other clubs in Scotland, and be the, the number one choice. Um, he had a very very good career down in England as well. 
Is this a, a good move for the player and the club in this situation? I can't help but talk about John McLaughlin without referring to a player we've spoken about previously, and that's Alan McGregor. Um, personally, I think Alan McGregor's close to retirement. I think going back to the goals he conceded against Ross County and the um, the near penalty uh, incident at Petodre, I think we're seeing a, a player who um, in his head knows what he wants to do, um, but he, his body just can't carry him through. And I was fairly critical of Alan McGregor previously and he bounced back emphatically. I'm hoping that's the case on Wednesday with McGregor. I'm kind of wondering whether the winter, the, the winter break was a factor in his rustiness just now that as an older man, he, he kind of needs to um, build up games to John's laugh at me calling Alan McGregor an older <laughs> man. He's, <laughs> he's 39. He's, didn't he know, you think he didn't get his winter heating allowance or something? Uh, older in football terms, John. Older in football terms, but I'm just, I'm just hoping as, as, as an older player, he, he kind of needs games to build his body back up again. Um, but I do think Alan McGregor will retire at the end of the season, regardless of whether we qualify for the Champions League or not. And that then leaves the John McLaughlin question, which is: Is John McLaughlin the next Rangers number one? And I see John McLaughlin a bit like an Ali Maxwell or a Neil Alexander, who's a very, very capable number two. I don't see John McLaughlin as a number one. And if John McLaughlin's not number one at Rangers, where does that leave Robbie McCrory? I don't think Robbie McCrory is quite ready for number one. One of the things that keeps Scott Arfield at the club next season, Ross, is um, squad registration for Europe. Scott Arfield is domestically trained at Falkirk and therefore he he, he counts as Scottish trained um, for squad registration in Europe. Despite John McLaughlin being a Scotland internationalist, he does not. Um, therefore, for that reason, and the fact that Robin McCrory is a very promising young goalkeeper, I personally would have wanted Robin McCrory to be number two. Um, and that would have let John McLaughlin go. But I do understand that this summer there's a potential high turnover of players and we maybe want to have consistency and some key figures in, in the dressing room. I'm a little bit undecided. I... I think the squad gets worse if Alan McGregor leaves in the summer and John McLaughlin takes over the number one jersey. I would have liked to have seen a new number one brought in. And there's been some rumours. You know, we, we have been scouting Benjamin Segrist at Dundee United, for example. But then I'm talking about a Dundee United goalkeeper replacing Alan McGregor. And we've just spoken that John McLaughlin is possibly the second best goalkeeper in, in the league. So it's a tough one. Would Benjamin Segrist be a natural successor to Alan McGregor? Again, probably not. I would be expecting a much higher calibre. There was a, a boy, Johnston, um, I think his name's Johnston, at West Brom, who's out of contract in the summer. That's the kind of player that we should be targeting as the next Rangers number one. Um, yeah, I, I personally would not have given John McLaughlin a new contract. That's slightly controversial because if you look at the responses on Twitter, I think everybody emphatically thinks that John McLaughlin deserved it as a, a very capable number two. I think I'm just looking a wee bit longer term at Robbie McCrory. But do you know what? It's not a bad thing giving John McLaughlin a new a new deal. He's a, a very steady and, and reliable goalkeeper. John, how about yourself? Where would you come down on this one? I was surprised. I actually thought would sell. McLaughlin in, in the in this window, um, I thought there's a guy there you could probably get a fee for. Um, you know, McGregor's number one, then McCrory is number two. I, I thought we might make that deal. So the fact we've offered him a new contract and he's accepted it, you have to assume that there's been talk of well, 
you know, I'm a number two forever, or you know, so it does make you wonder whether um, you know Dougie's onto something there, and then perhaps McGregor is um, is going to hang up his gloves at the end of the season. Um, and McLaughlin knows this. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm surprised. I, I, I can only look. The people who've done this, they see the full picture. Um, I expected McLaughlin to leave. Um, he, the fact he hasn't and he's signed a new contract suggests to me that he expects to be number one fairly soon. Um, the timing of it, I burst out laughing when I saw when I saw the contract the day after Al McGregor throws two goals into the, into the net. I thought, oh, that's that's um, that's ouch, you know, that's certainly keeping on his toes. But um, I, I like McLaughlin. McLaughlin's a good keeper. I actually thought he was unlucky to lose his place when he did. I didn't think he did much wrong. Um, Any time he's come in, when he came in, obviously the the, the cup game um, a couple of weeks ago, and and again you realise you know McLaughlin, there's nothing wrong with McLaughlin. Um, Rangers have a great record of improving goalkeepers, um, you know, of, of taking goalkeepers and making them better. Um, you know, it's one thing that Rangers have done well now for for two or three decades. Um, you know, it's part of the culture of the club um, that uh, you know we are. We, we make goalkeepers better. You know, Rangers have have a you know a great record of goalkeepers um, uh, uh, over the last thirty years. And if you know, if the folk at the club think McLaughlin can be the next one, I don't have an issue with that. I mean, he's the the, the release on the main uh, on the club website was that he's had twenty four appearances and kept seventeen clean sheets. That's a ridiculous statistic he's played 24 games and he's only conceded in seven of them that's uh, that is mad whatever you know level of football you're playing at so I, I think I'm on the same page as both of you a little surprised not necessarily disappointed but um, surprised and trying to figure out what that means for the, the, the long term of that position um, is, is, is very challenging um, Dougie we kind of teased this throughout the show but it is the, the, the last 24 hours now of the, of the transfer window and there have been some rumours flying around What's your assessment of, of what might happen in, in the coming day and, and what would you like to see happen? I think we're in store for a fairly busy 24 hours, Ross, um, both incoming and outgoing. Um, one of the things that I'm keen to touch on is I think we're going to have a busy 24 hours, but I also think we're going to have a busy summer. And I think it's going to be critical for Ross Wilson's tenure as director of football. Um, rightly, Ross Wilson received a lot of praise for how he dealt with Gerard leaving um, and recruiting um, a very good um, replacement in Giovanni van Bronckhorst. Um, but you could argue that Ross Wilson's transfer strategy at the club so far has failed. Um, we haven't recruited anyone capable of really starting and strengthening the starting 11. And the, the, the sale of Nathan Patterson is the first real big sale. Hopefully that kicks us on and we start to see a, um, more big sales that come in and, and, and inject much needed cash to the club. Um, but yeah, the summer's going to be huge for us as well. Um, a lot of players out of contract this summer, a lot of players out of contract the summer after. Um, but thinking about this though, I think we, so we've signed two players so far, both loanees. We've been able to bring in a substantial amount of cash in the sales of um, Patterson, first of all. Um, we've also moved Bakuna and his wages off the books. We have received the fairly hefty compensation figure for Stephen Gerrard and his, his coaching team. So you could argue that we've brought some cash into the club um, in, in recent months. But the incomings this month have both been two loans. James Sands and... Um, what's his yeah. face? 
Diallo. Diallo. Diallo's very exciting. Um, you know, I was impressed with his performance against Ross County. I also think he's a big loan signing. You know, John, if you haven't heard of him, if I'm honest, he's, he's somebody who, who started games in Atalanta over the Serie A at a very young age. Man United did well to get him. They paid big money for him. Um, there's a lot of attention on Diallo. I think, I think Diallo is a very good signing for us. I wanted a permanent sign and I wanted us to go and spend the money. Anybody who follows me on Twitter will know I'm disappointed we didn't sign Andreas Kovalson. So that's a disappointment for me is that we've just injected a, a, a whole bunch of cash, but we've not been able to really spend in, in a permanent replacement in a position that we need to strengthen, which is right wing. Um, therefore, you then look at James Sands. We have an abundance of players that I would describe as number sixes in the club. Um, we we have Kamara, Davis, Jack. We've now got Sands. We've got Lundstrom, and we have Ofa Boren and Kelly who are who are not available. So there's question marks over whether when we went and signed James Sands, if he was the right player in the right position to strengthen. I think personally, the three positions we needed to strengthen this window was right wing. We brought in Diallo, which I'm happy with. Um, centre-back is questionable, but right-back is, is the next position. Um, John, you touched this earlier on. We're linked today with um, a young player from Poland called, excuse this pronunciation, but Matthias Dukowski from Lechia Gdansk. Um, he's out of contract in the summer, um, but we're tipped to bring him in by paying a couple of hundred thousand. So I think we're going to have strengthened right-back, the replacement of Nathan Patterson, we're going to strengthen right wing. The next key position for me is central midfield. Now, John, this is uh, Ross. This is where I agree with you profoundly on the Scott Arfield one. Um, when you break the team down into six, eights, and tens, um, you mentioned Alex Lowry. For me, Alex Lowry fits into the ten, maybe a seven or eleven. Sometimes he can go out wide, as we see against Stalin Albion. He moved out the wide positions. Um, for me, Scott Arfield is the only central midfield player that offers us what Scott Arfield does. And that's that kind of box, late runs into box, goal threat. And therefore, this window, I was kind of hoping that we would go and sign a number eight. The name that's rumoured at the moment, and some people listening to this podcast may be listening after the transfer window closes. So it'll be interesting to see how this seems after the window closes. But the name that's currently tipped is James McAtee, on loan from Man City. Another young player, somebody that's tipped to be that kind of number eight, stroke number 10 player. I've watched his YouTube footage. Left footed, very, very good going forward. But he's another young player, a bit like Diallo. Criticism of Diallo is he's a bit small and weak looking. Um, you can't have a team of too many small and physique players. You need, I like a team that's, that's still physical, that won't be bullied against teams like Ross County. Um, therefore, I'm a little bit concerned about McAtee, um, but he looks a right good talent and it says... It speaks volumes that Pep Guardiola thinks that he's the next big thing at Man City. So if we can sign McAtee on loan, we've got to reflect on we've strengthened and and the Polish um, right back. You have to say that we've strengthened the key positions that we wanted to. But there's other rumours. Um, John Suter's the job. We've also spoken about him again. Um, the other is Danilo Duetti, Vitesse, um, another central defender, tipped to, type, to sign a pre-contract with Rangers. I think if we sign Duetti, it will be in the summer. It won't be in January. 
And I think that's a replacement for Balogun, who I don't think will sign a new contract. Um, I'll be interested to see if he does sign a new contract. I also think that Halander will leave the club um, in the summer. Um, a player who's out of contract in 2023, a player probably a bit similar to Kemar Roof, who I've got concerns about his conditioning. He doesn't give you that consistency over a full season. I think if we could get a couple of million for Halander, we would take it and bring in Dweki. So interesting to see how the transfer window goes. But the one thing that's kind of, or the two things that's kind of in my mind right now is, one, let's talk tonight of a centre a center forward. Um, I would be surprised if we bring in a centre-forward before the window closes. And the reason being, uh, in a 4-3-3, I don't think from a squad morale perspective, you want more than three central forwards challenging that position. If we sign a central forward, I would hope that Itton would move on. If Itton doesn't move on, I think it'd be, it could be um, concerning that someone like Itton would not get a lot of minutes if we sign a fourth centre-forward in addition to Ruth and Morelos. Um, but it's the outgoings for me. Um, let's talk just now of Jack Simpson going to the championship, as, as we've mentioned. The two that I would like to see us move on is John Lundstrom and Brandon Barker. Lundstrom primarily because of the disharmony that I think his contract caused within the dressing room. As a big earner, I think we could do with getting that, that off the books as somebody only featuring for the latter parts of games. And the first continues to hang on to his position. But the big thing for me and this is the one that will be crucial um, after midnight on Monday, is we need to resist offers on the last day of the transfer window for our key players. There's rumours of you know, teams potentially coming in and sneaking in for Goldson um, in the last six months of his contract. Um, but there's a lot of rumours about Aston Villa looking at Glenn Kamara, Leeds looking at um, Ryan Kent, particularly with West Ham looking at Rafinha at Leeds. If we want and have any aspirations of challenging and really retaining this league title we must retain the key players in our team we must only move in the squad players and if there's one thing that we do tomorrow it's keep those players um john we've just in the, the last couple of minutes dougie mentioned a really interesting thing there which is that there has been a an influx of cash that rangers haven't seen for a, a number of years both in the uh, departure of Stephen Gerrard and the, the, the extravagant, I guess, sale of, of Nathan Patterson for money, the, the likes of which we have not seen before. Um, would you say that there could be some disappointment in the board of Rangers for not reinvesting this cash heavily in, in this window, given what's at stake this season? It's a gamble. It's a gamble they're doing. Um, I've said it before, I'll, I'll say it again. I don't think we, as supporters, fully appreciate just quite what the board have put into Rangers. Um, you know, I, I think we become a bit blasé when we see, you know, the club has made however many millions of a loss. Um, and I think because I think we become a bit blasé because we kind of get used to numbers in England. Um, and you see some of the numbers get banded about there and, and you think, ah, well, the club made a £7 million loss. That's fine. We get in the Champions League, that'll be clear. You know, somebody somewhere has to find that £7 million and, and you know, pay it out for all the outgoings that are going. Um, so, you know, is it disappointing that we haven't invested the parts of the money? I think the reality is we invested the parts of the money before we got it. Um, you know, that that money has come into the club to keep the club, um, you know, to give the club the, the, the foundation that it needs to build on. Um, you know, supporters, 
I think if we're all being honest with each other, supporters we don't really care about that side of things enough. You know, supporters want signing, supporters care about what's happening on the on the pitch. You know, they'll live with most things if the team is winning or they're, they're seeing progress. But I think it, you know, I think we have a duty in, in terms of you know doing this. If I don't know if we have any, I don't think we have much influence over people. But I think it would be foolish for us at least not to point out um, that um, you know this particular board have put their hands in their pockets on a number of occasions uh, and may have to again at some point in the future. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not accounting. I don't know the exact figures involved in these things, but but they've been fairly sizable. Um, and I don't think you can expect, you know, we're not owned by, you know, the Saudi Arabian wealth state. You know, we're owned by guys who've got businesses. Um, you know, these, these guys have got um, other you know, these guys don't have bottomless pockets. Um, they might be, in some cases, quite wealthy, but it's all relative. Um, they won't be by the end of their tenure in Rangers if Rangers don't become self-sufficient quite quickly. So I'm not disappointed. It was what I expected. Um, you know, it still would come as a big surprise if, if, you know, some business was done, but I don't think we are signing anyone for three, four, five million pounds. Um, that might change in the summer, um, depending how how things go and, and where we find ourselves um, and what European tournament we're in next year. But this, just now, this window, no, I don't think that was going to happen. Um, I could have seen us signing, um, you know, guys like, um, you know, some of the guys that uh, we've looked at, guys like Wright, you know, you know a, a kind of better Scottish player, you know, like the fact that the guy Boyle at Hibs left, um, I always thought he was a player that, that might have got looked at by us. Um, I suspect he's a similar kind of standard to write. Um, uh, you know, I, but I think that was the, the height of, of of what we were going to be doing in, in this window, I'm afraid. Um, Suter um, still might come in, but I, I don't know. I, I can't criticise this board for that. You know, there are other things we can, I'm sure we can find to criticise them for. I, I can't criticise them for that. Um, they've, they've turned the club around. You know, we should never lose sight of that. You know, we have to be realistic about that. And, and I think that, you know, that money that's come in for Patterson, I suspect that has largely been earmarked um, to to, uh, to pay back a lot of the money that that has been lent to the club to keep the club going and growing. Ross, we, we, we spoke about the importance... So, sorry, mate. We, we, we spoke after the Malmo game and the importance of the result against Malmo. That That game has been critical for our season. Um, if we had beat Malmo and qualified for the Champions League, we would have had much greater resources to retain players that potentially haven't signed any deals yet. We could have potentially brought in one marquee signing. That game has been massive for us this season. As John said, we've had to balance the books because of that result. You know, Nathan Patterson's sale, yes, we got money up front. A lot of it is add-ons, but yes, we got money up front. There was talk of a figure around £7.5 million that we, we had to find just to keep the, the club running this season. So all that money has helped the club survive. And that's why the importance of winning the league this season is huge. If we do not win the league this season, we cannot expect a marquee signing in the summer. It's it's unthinkable that you know we don't win the league, league this year. In fact, I would go as far as saying this season is more important than last as we're keeping all the pressure onto Wednesday, as if we uh, we weren't anxious enough about that. Gents, I think that's probably going to be enough for us, and we'll, we'll wrap, it, wrap it up there. Um, I would say a massive thank you, of course, to, to John and Dougie for, for coming on and giving me their thoughts tonight. It's not easy 
after a weekend like this one. So a big thanks to them. And a, a massive thank you as well to everyone who's joined us tonight on the YouTube stream, uh, letting us know your, your thoughts as well. Uh, we very much appreciate you giving us your, your Sunday evenings. So thank you for that. As I said at the top of the show, please do head over to the website at www.jesnet.co.uk. We'll be back next Sunday at 9.30pm as always, but I'm sure we'll be able to squeeze out a, a preview before the Old Firm game uh, on Wednesday. So just keep your eyes peeled on the Jesnet uh, website and Twitter page for all the details of that. Until then, uh, I hope you enjoy the game on Wednesday and I hope that we're back next Sunday with something uh, a little bit more positive to talk about. Until then, have a great week and goodbye for now.